Today's episode of the City Smack Podcast is brought to you by Morton. They have been the presenting sponsor of the show, and they continue to reinvent sports fuel. It's what all the major marathon winners are taking. It's what I will be taking in just a couple weeks at the London Marathon. I actually just cranked out my last 20-miler on Monday. Uh, I managed to take Morton at about miles 5, 10, and 15. Just took a bottle, hit it in the bushes, and then just fueled up when I needed it. It was great was did not feel depleted of carbs didn't have any stomach issues and it's just got a very simple taste that i can handle um so like i said i've been taking it at the berlin marathon the new york city marathon and then my big one in just a couple weeks um and the major marathon winners are taking it jeffrey camore who just won the world cross country uh, world half marathon championships um he took it at the new york city marathon so the results are everywhere it's been a success so far, um, so I urge you to check it out. It comes in a 160 and a 320 mix. The 320 version is intended to be mixed with about 17 ounces of water, and it has an astounding 78 grams of carbs per bottle. So uh, give it a try. Visit Morton.com, that's M-A-U-R-T-E-N, hit the shop, and Cities Mag listeners get a nice discount. And our promo code for the listeners is Sidious20, that's C-I-T-I-U-S 20, for 20% off your order. Um, So check it out. That's Morton.com. Just one more quick plug before we get to today's interview. Um, the City Smack Podcast is part of the City Smack Podcast Network. We've got a couple really good shows for you guys to check out and enjoy. The 1609 Podcast is a weekly show that focuses on all things running. It's hosted by Alexander Sizemore and Evan Schwartz. So whereas in this show you just get interviews uh, with interesting people from the running community, they're here to talk about the latest running news. They give gear reviews, nutrition reviews. They also occasionally also talk to other elite athletes, and they interview some interesting members of the running community as well. So I urge you guys to check it out. It's the 1609 Podcast. You can find it on iTunes, uh, Spotify, and I believe Stitcher or Google Play. And uh, the latest show that we've added to the network is Running Things Considered. It's hilarious. It's uh, gotten some pretty good reviews so far. Um, It's a podcast that's here to answer every question you've ever had about running. It's hosted by Ryan Sterner, Nicole Bush, and Tom's Hank. Um, Anything. If it's come up in the locker room, if it's come up on the long run, they'll discuss it on the podcast. All you have to do is call into the show. That's 646-780-9218 and leave a voicemail. They are open to answering your would-you-rathers, listening to your personal stories, give them strange hypotheticals, hit them with anything. It's a hilarious show. Maybe not the best show to play uh, while you're at work because you'll probably crack up. Or when you have kids in the car, a couple of curse words slip out here or there. It's Running Things Considered. You can find it on iTunes and you can find it on SoundCloud. And in addition to that, we've got our other shows. We've got... Um, uh, Woody Kincaid's uh, Price of a Mile. That's a great one. Uh, Something in the Water, the series that we did with Terminal Mile, wrapped up. You can catch all the episodes there. If you go on SidiousMag.com and hit the podcast tab at the top, all our shows are right there. So I urge you to check them out. It's the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. My guest for today's show is someone who's known me for uh, more than 10 years now, and he is still someone who I keep in touch with regularly. It is my high school coach, Patrick Dormer, and the reason I brought him onto the show is he's always got these crazy ideas that he's throwing my way about how to fix the sport, and I'm always listening to them, and I never really follow through on sharing them with, with, with everyone. He wants me to write article after article, so I figure, you know what, why not just tell everyone yourself? And so every now and then, uh, I'll have uh, Mr. Dormer on to come on the show and share his ideas. I think it's a great idea to bring on uh, the voice of reason behind so many of my workouts and so much of my influence uh, within the sport. Um, So this is you guys getting to know my coach, Pat Dormer. So uh, let's start the show. This is an idea I was going to pose to you. Um, I wanted to run a half marathon on the treadmill at Xavier, broadcast it live, and like have people control the speed of the treadmill by how much they donate. 
Um, and it's just kind of like a fun little game. I would, I would donate a thousand dollars to make it go so fast that you would <laughs> crash through the back wall. And, All right, I'll and, get this started. All right, so we're here outside of Icon Stadium. I'm joined by my coach, Pat Dormer, goes by Mr. Dormer. Um, you've wanted to come on this podcast for a bit. You've got a lot of ideas to share with the running community. I'm finally giving you the platform because the thing that happens is uh, you tell me all these ideas, like Chris, this is going to be great to, to write about. You should do it. And I never follow through with it. So now... People are going to be able to listen to your ideas. But well, first off, you were the one who asked me to be on, I, on the podcast, and you mentioned it a few times, so don't make it sound like I'm desperate to get <laughs> on the podcast. Okay? I did bike so, all the way to Icon Stadium oh, to make wow, this happen. Wow, that, that's that <laughs> right there. Wow. Chris left his comfort zone and left Queens to come to, you know, four miles, five miles. It's three miles, to yeah. See, to see his high school coach. What <laughs> a sacrifice. So we're here at Icon Stadium. What's your favorite memory of this place? Um, there's so many great, I mean, it's such a great track. And I ran here in high school when it was Downing Stadium. And uh, that had some, you know, great memories too. But uh, here, uh, it's just, I mean, we, the kids, we get to practice here. It's a, a world-class facility. The, you know, the, I think the best part is that the, the people who work here, they love track and field. And so walking into a place where the sport is such a priority, it just, it's very special. I mean, in one way, I'm jealous of the kids today because they have, if you live in New York, you can run in three world-class facilities. You can run at Ocean Breeze in Staten Island. You can run at the Armory in Washington Heights, and you can run at Icon Stadium, and they're better than they're, be, they're better than anything I ever was able to run on. I mean, I ran on cinder tracks. We had we had races at uh, Astoria Park, which, if anybody from New York knows Astoria Park, you're running the race, you're dodging the little kids on the bicycles and yeah. going around. I mean, to have this, it's it's amazing. I've always felt that we were spoiled when people ask me, it's like, oh, it's like, where did you train in high school? It's like, oh, well, you know, during cross-country season, we'd be in Central Park. And then during indoor season, we'd be at the Armory on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Outdoor season, it's Icon on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it's just like, these are facilities where we see some high-class meets, uh, you know, during those respective seasons. Um, so there's no, like, one particular race that really stands out to you. It's like, wow, like, I'll never forget that one race. Oh, no, there's, I mean. You've been doing it for a while. Yeah, this is uh, my 25th year at Xavier, my 30th year as a coach. So, I want to get some of this background because this is some, something new to me. How did you end up at, at Xavier? Um, I, I was coaching and teaching. I was teaching at Aquinas High School and coaching at Fordham Prep. And I had, I had run at Fordham Prep, at Fordham University. And then um, uh, my sophomore year of college, one of my teammates said, hey, they need an assistant coach at Fordham Prep. And so then that's when I started. I was um, running at Fordham University and coaching at Fordham Prep. And then I was there as a, an assistant coach to the guy who's still coaching there, George Feblis. Um, so that was you know my third year. And then the coach at Xavier High School, he had been uh, at Xavier for 45 years, Mr. Scott, approached me at a meet one day and he's like, would you ever consider coming to Xavier High School? And I said, I would, I'd love to be your assistant coach. And he said, no, I'm retiring. I'm looking for somebody to take over. And I said, I definitely would be interested. And so he uh, walked, apparently the next day, he walked into the president of the school's office and said, I found my replacement. And that's how I got the job because you know, you know how sarcastic I am. Nobody would have ever hired me. You know, I was 24 years old. And I took over a program that, you know, started in the, you know, 1880s. Yeah. And uh, except for 10 years from 1935 to 1945, they, Xavier's had a track team since. At 24, they said, you know, here you go, you're the head coach. And I started with 11 kids, and we grew from there. It's pretty wild. I've never made the realization that there's been two head coaches in maybe almost 70 years. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Yep, just me and Jim. And... Uh, Jim was uh, the ultimate gentleman. Uh, anybody who knows him 
I mean, uh, just uh, the standard of the like behavior for a Xavier coach that he set. That was the thing that <clears throat> when I started out off at Xavier, I really struggled. I wanted to make sure that I was living up to this, um, to this old gentleman's standards. And and a lot of the things that we do at Xavier, uh, that you did when you were there, a result of uh, Mr. Scott. Think think about it. You don't call the coaches, but coach, you call them Mister. I've always thought that was kind of like you know, Derek Jeter did that with Joe Torre. He yeah. called him Mister Torre all the time. Yeah, and you know, uh, <clears throat> seniors teach freshmen, and senior, when a freshman screws up, the seniors are the ones that get in trouble. And you remember all of those things. You did stupid things, and I didn't so much yell at you as I yelled at the older members of the team because they should have told you better and you should have learned. Um, and uh, that whole tradition, and even now as an alumnus, you know, you make a connection, you meet a guy who you didn't know in high school, but you found out he ran at Xavier, and you're able to, to relate to him and actually be friends. And it's, you, you know, we're a family. How do you summarize, I guess, like, uh, I mean, that's the, it's the one term that's thrown around, coaching philosophy. Like, what was Mr. Scott's coaching philosophy? What was it, I guess, when you took over, and then, like, how did you make it your own? And then it's changed over the years, I'm sure, too, because it's been it's been 25 years. The way you coach this team now is a little different than how you coached well, when I was at Xavier, which some, is eight years, eight, ten years ago. You know, workouts have changed yeah. because um, about ten years ago, I, was, I, I got tired of, um, like, losing. We were, we were getting better and better, but there was – I had to do with some of that losing. But yes, you, you were a major, major part of the losing. Um, but, like, I couldn't figure out why we weren't, like, able to get over the hump. And um, <clears throat> I was talking to a young head coach at Christ the King at the time who I believe coached your friend Jason or yeah. ran with Jason. And um, he was doing some exciting things uh, at Christ the King and – I said, why don't you come over and work with us at Xavier? And he, uh, he took the opportunity. He came over, and he became an assistant coach. And one of the first things he did was he started questioning my workouts. Not in a malicious way. It was just like, well, why are you doing that? And so I had to start answering questions like, well, you know, well, we've always done that. But, you know, what's the purpose behind it? So I started looking at how I was training the kids. And I realized that there were some gaping holes. And so, like I've, I've always done, I, I hit the books. I, I started reading more, and I took a couple of classes. And, um, and then I found things that fit into uh, the experience at Xavier High School that makes it better. Um, because, you know, even though we get to practice here, it takes 45 minutes to get to practice. Yeah. And Xavier High School has, on average, three to three and a half hours of homework a night. So, and most of the kids travel an hour and a half to get to school. So now I have to make sure that I can have a quality workout in, you know, a short period of time. Have to finish practice by 5 o'clock, especially in the winter, to get everybody home. So what's the best use of my time, best use of, you know, where we're going? And, you know, it would be great if we had a track right outside the school and you know it would be great if I had a high jump mat at the school you know but <clears throat> when you're successful and you're winning and you ask for more equipment the question is well you already won without the equipment why do you need the equipment yeah you know, so I, I right now the athletic director is getting mad at me because I ask him every day for a high jump mat <laughs> and I'm going to keep going until I get my high jump mat I uh so, given what was, I guess, the biggest thing you learned from, you, you said you were questioned, but what, was there one particular area where maybe we weren't getting enough rest or we were being... Well, that, the big thing was um, rest. The intervals, um, like what the rest period between that was, the rest, rest period between hard workouts, and then not being afraid to, like when you run hard, run hard. And when you, you know... Um, like, uh, I thought, you know, um, the idea was, you know, easy days, hard days. Well, you know, what defines an easy day? And so now when we define an easy day, it's always 
uh, a percentage of what your VO2 max, you know, workout is. So if you're, you know, 10 flat, I mean, the seniors, for the most part, can do the math themselves. You know, 300 seconds, and, you know, I got to do 70% based on that. Gives me, you know, 640 for a mile. So that's your easy pace. And after a while, the, the kids who are into it, they can do it in the heads. The kids who don't want to do the math, ask me, and I'll give them the... But it's staying within that whole uh, range and realizing that uh, it changes as throughout the season you're going to get faster, and so therefore your, your training paces need to change. And being able to adjust uh, the workouts to each individual. You know. Is there any, I guess... Particular coaches, I guess you kind of frame some of your workouts. I and mean, people, there's people who swear by you know the Lydiard method. There's people I, who do. I swear by Scott Christensen, and um, I know you and Jason were doing massive plugs for all sorts of people. <laughs> but if you're if you're a new coach and you're starting out, uh, look up uh, Latif Thomas. He sells a lot of training programs. He he, that's a great place to start, and uh, he's funny on Twitter. So I don't always agree with a lot of his tweets. But um, the products that he's, that he's uh, putting out there, they are top of the line, and they're really good. And you, I mean, I wish I knew, like, when I started out, I wish I had all this knowledge when I started out. Um, because I would, like, you know, honestly, the, the guys I coached the first seven years, I'd like to apologize to them for not doing a better job, you know, because we had some great talent. And then... You know, we, I've always had fun, you know, because yeah. we had a period of time where the team we was big. We had, you know, 120 kids on the team, and we were terrible. I mean, we'd we, sneak off in Central Park for some fun runs. Oh, well, that, that too. But, like, on the track, we were just, I mean, we couldn't get six kids to break, 50, uh, break uh, 60 for the 400. It was, you know, I had to come up with whatever I could, you know, T-shirts to, to convince kids to, to go – do their Sunday runs and things like that. And there's a culture shift on the team now. You know, most of the varsity and the better freshman kids, they're willing to do the easy runs on Sundays. Whereas when you were there, uh, Keith Mesidor, who was a, a great uh, long jumper and sprinter, probably the laziest human being I've ever met in my life. No, it's true, yeah. You know, and, and I love him. And... But frustrated the living shit out of me, uh, just constantly. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I, I like that point that you made about the culture change. And we were talking about this before when we were at the track. Um, when I was there, you'd reward people for breaking five minutes in the mile with a T-shirt. How many people have done it today? And it's like, there's no more T-shirts, right? Yeah, no, there's no more T-shirts because, um, well. Um, it used to be I'd only have to buy like five a year, and now, now everyone is doing it. <laughs> now we had um, eleven kids break five today, um, which like for like uh, other high schools, like high schools in Illinois, like this is nothing new. Like yeah. for but for for me, five minutes for the mile was always fast, and it was it wasn't until I got to you know college and I would hear from other people or when I started following the sport, I guess a little more closely. Yeah. I was like, well, that's not not that impressive, but we used to get T-shirts over that. Yeah, but you know, sub five club. I still, if I do it this fall, I, I would still like a T-shirt. Yeah, I, I, you always want T-shirts, but <laughs> I, ha I have, I actually have one set aside for you. Okay. All right, and uh, because I know you like the, it's a performance T-shirt, so <laughs> you know, um, like part of it is, you know, um, like now I had, today I had a freshman run. Uh, 432. So, you know, we put we put a series of challenges out to the team this year, and the, the first thing is we want 60 guys under 60 seconds for the 400. Wow, and now, that's now cool. <clears throat> it's a it's an ambitious thing. That most of the varsity guys can go out there and they can do it. Yeah. But it's a challenge that the freshmen and the sophomores can get into, and they can go out there and hey, I did my part to get that that shirt. And it's about you know. I, I've found it's a universal truth that uh, most people in America will do anything for a free T-shirt. Oh, yeah. They We've got will. a lot of podcast listeners who are in. They will. You know, um, I used to work uh, summers 
for a uh, non-for-profit in the city of New York called uh, uh, City Sports. Uh, no, um, hang on a second. Draw a blank. I can't even remember the name. It'll come to me. But it, they provided free track and field uh, clinics throughout the city of New York for about 4,000 kids. And when we would go to uh, city parks, there you go. Mm -hmm. When uh, when you'd go hand out the T-shirts to the participants, because it was 11 parks, and we would give different colored T-shirts to the kids, and then we'd have a track meet. And uh, Icon Stadium used to donate um, the use of the facility because it was for kids. And that's another, like, just, like, great thing that um, the, the people who run the, the uh, tracks in the city do they want to promote the sport but we'd have people lining up who were not in the program like 80 year old men and what, what are you doing well i you know so you're giving out a free t-shirt <laughs> so you know it's it's funny people will do anything for a free t-shirt uh gags is a guy who's got you know his famous quote and i was going through this recently it was, it was just like speed plus strength equal or it was strength plus speed is just kind of like the way mm -hmm. he runs things is there a formula that you have that you kind of share with the team nowadays? Or is there something you say every year before, uh, or before every season, before cross-country season? Is there any, I guess, one phrase or, or like, nugget that you've passed on from team to team? Um, it, nothing. Like, the long run is, the, is important. Like, you can't get anywhere in terms of distance without the long run. And... I tell them it doesn't matter. I just put you on the track, and I can show you who's doing the Sunday run on their own and who's not doing the Sunday run on their own. And it's just, it just shows, you know. Like today, all of our distance runners ran the, the mile, and then they had to come back and run the 400 very quickly. And the guys who have been doing their distance run, they ran a fast mile and they ran a fast 400, and it, we used it as a workout. But there's uh, a couple of seniors, and you know. Uh, they're on the team, and they're, like, mailing it in right now. And uh, so that's going to be my my focus for the next couple of weeks is to get them to, you know, let's rally the troops and let's finish strong. But you can tell, you know, today when a, a guy who used to run five flat for the mile gives you six minutes that he hasn't been doing his, he hasn't been doing his distance, you know. And it, it becomes, you know, uh, kids w often wonder, you know, why, you know, the coach wants you to do this. And it shows. And, you know, the we were doing uh, repeat miles, and halfway through the repeat miles, one kid came over to me and he goes, I just want you to know I, I haven't been keeping up with my distance. And I just <laughs> like, I, yeah, I already know that. He's <laughs> like, how do you know? Who told you? I was like, I'm, I got eyes. I can see, you know. <laughs> You're all, you're all the way back, you know. <laughs> and so it, it uh, I, there's no, like, one, like, we always come, for cross-country, we always come up with a different slogan every year. And um, What was this past year's? Uh, this past year's was uh, 2 Timothy 4-7. It was a, uh, you know, the race is not always, no, I fought the good fight, I've run the race. You know, and the seniors get to pick sometimes. One year we had we run the concrete jungle, which um, I actually had to explain to a few kids because <laughs> there was multiple meanings. <laughs> and um, empty the tank was another year. You know. Yeah. And it's just, and it that you you know you get input from the kids on what they what they want. You know. Uh, coaching college. You've been doing. Uh, high school for so long have you ever gotten like the the curiosity of like what it would be like to coach college so I guess like you kind of dabble with like coaching someone like me who's hard <laughs> yeah yeah um like a lot of guys who I coached in high school after college they've come back I have besides you I have like seven or eight other people who I've coached over the past few years either to um uh, you know, run the half marathon, or some guys were running for the mile. And uh, then I have people like you and Kevin Demick who take my workouts and share them with other people. <laughs> and that's like a caveman playing with fire because you don't know. I don't share them with too many people. Yeah, but you don't understand the, the 
I love when you question the workouts. Yeah. And, you know, I'm training for the L London Marathon and, you know, practicing drinking my M Morton and I'm getting all excited. But let me, uh, you know, let me just throw all of my training away and jump into a really fast mile that I'm not prepared <laughs> for. And then you wonder why I get pissed off. <laughs> you know. I love that the guests have now started plugging the drink, like, on their own. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> well, you know, uh, if, if I never tried it, I most, once I heard the testimonial of how it, you know, it was none of the long runs that you did, and it was none of the interval training, and it was none of the tempo runs. It that, was those factors. That I taught, it was just strictly the fact <laughs> that, you know, that you drank some Morton, and, and I'm sure it's great, but when you cramped up, at that marathon, it wasn't the Morton salesman who showed up in the Bronx. Oh, this is before I to started to massage your <laughs> legs. Right? So that is that is a funny story. So uh, for listeners who are unfamiliar, 2014 was the first time I ran the New York City Marathon. It was uh, it was hard. It was cold. Um, I'd also turned 21 about a month before, yes. so that kind of played a little bit of a factor of just the, a, a huge, little bit of a decrease huge, in huge training. Uh, showed up to the starting line not as good of shape as I probably should have been. If the race had been run in September, I probably would have been uh, much better. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had to wait all of October uh, where I was 21 years old and I was in Milwaukee. Uh, just kind of, it's a playground at that point. Yes. And then um, for races first week of November, show up, it's really cold. Things are going okay um, for the first half. You went out too fast. Uh, I yeah, I did. Uh, that always happens in New York. And then I got hurt on the uh, 59th Street Bridge going into Manhattan. Uh, my left quad just locked up. I felt like it was a, it could have been a muscle tear. It was, it was not. It was close. It was just a big, really bad strain. And then I was hobbling all the way down First Avenue, made my way into the Bronx. And there you were, right there at mile uh, 21 to massage my, my quad to get me through the last, uh, last five miles. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget that. My wife thought I was crazy because I was like, I, I got to go. And she's <laughs> like, where are you going? Uh, Chris is in trouble. And so I just, you know. All right. Uh, so real quick, uh, your solution to fixing a sport. This might be a recurring bit if, we, if, if people like it. We'll just continue to plug your ideas. What is your number one grievance with the sport? Well, first thing. Um, you're you're we, a we fan want, of the sport. I, this is my favorite sport. You know, um, I am the type of person who will sit down and watch track meet on television. Not a problem. You know, I'll even watch track meets that I've, I already know the results to. Um, the first thing we do is anybody who is caught cheating is banned for life. It's, you know, one strike and you're out. Your coach is gone as well. I'm 50, I'm going to be 50 years old. I have never once taken... Uh, something into my body that I didn't know what it did. I am so tired of hearing, I didn't know they gave me this. No, I, I, I'm not a high level athlete and I can tell you what supplements are going into my body, what vitamins, you know, what, so I, I don't want to hear that. They're, they're banned for life. Their coach is banned for life. Any money that they won, they forfeit and it goes to the people that they pretty much stole it from yeah. because that's what they did. And that's it. We just start getting rid of all the cheaters. Don't you think, like, you're a history teacher too uh, at Xavier. Uh, don't you think, it, like, there's always a counter-argument that it's, like, it's too harsh. It's, it's We're going into, like, that, that war on drugs mentality when it comes to it. And then that was always... Well, the, 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 you're going to... We're going to go in, a, like, a, a widely different viewpoint because the war on drugs... How, how did the, well, what was the government's plan on the war on drugs? How did they, what did they do? They decided to give po uh, police extra money if they made drug arrests. So if you arrest all of the drug dealers and there's no more drug problem, do you get the extra money? No. No. So to, to some level, yeah. you, you need to keep the war on drugs going to get the federal money. Right. So let's, let's be honest. This is pretty simple. <laughs> you cheat once, you're gone. Okay. Okay? That's harsh. Yeah. It has to be harsh. Yeah. Because we have 
chemists, I assume you read the New York Times article yesterday? Yeah, two days ago. Okay. Yeah. Who are playing. And the thing is, is that, you know why people use steroids? Because they work. They work really well. Okay. Ask anybody who has asthma. Ask anybody who has, you know, any uh, illness that these things were originally developed for. They work really well. That's so, why people use them. Oh, they need an edge. You don't need an edge. You're either an honest participant or you're not. It's very clear cut. It's very black and white. Okay? You're either a cheater or you're not a cheater. There's no... Okay? Yeah. And the minute we stop with the, you know... <clears throat> because I always say it's a, it's a baseball argument. That's what people, they're throwing out a baseball. Well, I don't really care what he does off the field, you know, as long as he performs on the field. I, on the other hand... You know, grew up a Yankee fan. Yeah. Okay. Love Derek Jeter. Love that. Um, when you start signing guys who abuse their their wives or their girlfriends, you lose Pat Dormer as a fan. Okay. I stopped watching NBA basketball when Latrell Sprewell choked his coach, and then the Knicks turned around and signed him. That was it for me. I was done. I don't watch. Uh, I don't watch the NFL because... Um, In that New York Times article, they also explored the NFL. Where it was well, there. the NFL doesn't care. Yeah. But my father, um, unfortunately, died of dementia. And um, he had had massive uh, concussions. And when we were dealing with that, he was going to a neurologist who said that, you know, he, he told us, you know, how many concussions your father had. And I... And I could remember four major concussions he had from work. And uh, he played an Irish sport called hurling. And yeah. so he must have had countless. Jeez. And um, countless concussions. And he said that it, the NFL had known for years that this stuff happened. And they didn't care. And they still don't care. Yeah. You know? And then people... So how do you still enjoy watching track, knowing that sometimes... Oh, I root against the cheaters. We, we can't name any names, obviously, because it's no. a lot of it's alleged and all that. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's not alleged. It's we know <laughs> we know who's cheating. We just don't want to admit it to ourselves. So do you kind of just suspend, like? Uh, no, because the the track meets I like to watch are high school and college. Okay. Yeah. You, know. you believe? Yeah, most people are everyone well, in high in, school. In high school, if a kid is cheating in high school, that's real unfortunate. That's unfortunate. And and but some states have. Some states and some schools have started testing because it's it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, you you remember the rule? If I find out that you're drinking, yeah, you have a, like no I tolerance a, policy. No tolerance policy. Yeah. No. And and is that harsh? Yes, it is. But does everybody know the rules going into it? Absolutely. Anybody have a problem? They're done. <laughs> but. It, it's not, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being consistent. You're going to cheat, you know, and you know as well as I do. Um, you can talk to uh, all the kids that uh, complained um, when <clears throat> I personally disqualified kids on our team for cheating or for not doing what they were supposed to do, and it cost us team championships. And the big thing was, well, nobody will know. You know, I had a kid not show up for school, show up for the race. I happened to be the meet director. He got on the track, you know, because I wasn't, you know, with the team at the time, he could have gotten away with running the race. I stopped the meet, and I threw him off the track. We lost that. He would have taken third place in his race. We lost the meet by a point. Wow. Okay? I mean, that group of guys, they'll never let me forget it, but they'll always remember. Okay? Once you give up your honor, you can't get it back. So point one, drug cheats, just cheats in general, out. Out. And they're coaches. Okay. And what's they're what's, what's another one? Another one, we have to start with like a minor league track system. Um, I was telling you before, I figure you can do this, uh, a team in Boston, New York, Philly, and Washington, D.C., and then four, te you know, four teams on the West Coast, four teams, and basically – you divide them each team into three. You know, you have a field events team, you have a sprint team, you have a distance team. And then they have a series of meets where, you know, 
So the field events will be in Philly this week. Sprints will be in uh, Boston, and distance will be in New York. And then they rotate them around. And then at the end, they, the uh, top performers all come together for like a national championship. Start a grassroots uh, movement. Track and field on the high school level is an incredible number of kids. The kids run. They want to be on the team. They want to be part of the team. And I personally believe that high school track and field should kids should be allowed to participate. Okay, they're on on our team. I'll take any freshman and any sophomore, and then juniors and seniors who, as long as you've been on the team before, you're on the team. If you want, if you've never run before, you have to try out. That's new, I think. No, since that's always. We never had. We when you were there, we never had juniors or seniors try out. Oh, okay. You know, and in the try, you know, if you want to try out first day, you have to run twenty-five-five or f under five for the mile. Because if you've never run before, you don't know what to do at a track meet. You don't know how to behave. So essentially, you're a junior or a senior who's a freshman. Right. So you you know we make the stand. The standards are posted on. The team webpage, you know, um, but there there are a lot of people who are fans of the sport, and we just gotta tap into that. Um, Do you think like the it gets too messy with uh, like sponsorships, like especially with like how close, how I guess tight the uh, the shoes shoe companies have well, when you, a grip on when you watch when you watch uh, um, a basketball game, yeah, you can tell there's two teams on. Right? You go to a high school track meet, you see all these different things. You go to watch a professional team run, right? professionals run. Everybody's wearing the same kit. Yes, yeah, it's, it's beyond stupid. <laughs> and then they don't want to race. Yeah. Okay? They, they, wanna, they just want to win. And I understand, that, but there are times when you should, you're running for the win, and then there's times where you're running for a fast time. And not to take care, anything away from Edward Cheserek when he ran that fantastic mile in Boston, but that was not a race. That was a time trial. Oh, yeah. Totally. And so then what's the point? They ran a fair – they had people who were going to run sub four for the mile. They ran the next heat. Yeah. You know, but, you know, when, when that becomes the high point, it's like, oh, well, you know – we're going to try and break two hours for the marathon. We're going to block the wind. We're going to use these. It's, you know, we want to break two hours for marathon. Bring together the 15, you know, talk to the 15 greatest marathoners we have right now. Say, next year at London, all 15 of you are going to toe the line. I, I don't like rabbits, but we'll, we'll, have pe we'll have people rabbit you through the first and the half marathon. All 15 of you. Make it worth their while. That you'll get a sub two. You'll get a sub two hour. It's tough on the course, but yeah, I mean, it'll we'll get a better idea of in regular conditions what's, what is a fast. What's the London Marathon record? It's like two o three or two o four, very low. I think Kipchoge okay. has it. Yeah. So you're gonna tell me that if I put the 15 best marathoners, male and female, they do. They they usually get maybe the top five and. Fifteen, Chris. Yeah. Fifteen. Go for it. What do you got? What do you have to lose? Sign them now. Say, here's we're going. You go fifteen. Because if we sign them now, you'll get twelve to the starting line. Yeah. It, it's it's doable, but you know you you have uh, you have a lot of other things. You know, Nike wants their athletes to do well. Adidas wants their athletes to do well. You know, and I, and I understand all of that. I understand all of that. And that's the business side. But we're shooting ourselves in the foot, you know. What's your uh, biggest yeah. grievance when it comes to TV? I know you enjoy watching these meets, but you... I, I, a lot of people, you know, are, are vocal on Twitter. It's like, oh, this sucks. They cut away at the wrong... At the yeah, perfect well, time. I, I think sports in America are geared towards the fact that um, most Americans like to get up and eat while they watch sports. So, you know, that's why there's so many timeouts in all professional sports so that people can make a run to the refrigerator, get the nachos, and come back. And um, have you ever watched the? Have you ever watched a track meet broadcast from Europe? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. 
Yeah. Do you know how many events they cover in, in its entirety in an hour? Most of them, all of them. Yeah, nine. Nine. Yeah. They can get nine complete events. Do you know how many the United States they cover in an hour? Four. Yeah. Okay. We do not need to see the 60. Meter dash. It's a beautiful race. Okay. Just, I mean, those those people run, the, the people who run the 60, it's just an explosion of raw power. I mean, it's, I mean, I think every event in track and field, there's something beautiful about each thing. Okay. Pole vault terrifies me, but <laughs> because, you know. We've never had a great Xavier We've never had, no, because when you don't have a place to yeah, practice yeah. and the only field events, you know, consistent field events coach you have is a distance coach, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to let somebody else do pole vault because if you don't know what you're doing, you're, you're that's dangerous for the kids. Mm -hmm. you, you need, you know. So cutting away at the, at the wrong moments. Cutting away, you know, at the wrong moments. and you Too know, much extra. Focusing on the wrong, on, on, on the wrong thing. Nobody needs to hear the backstory, you know, all the time. Well, that's us. That's a, we know the backstory, but it's just like let if let it, it run. Think about the guy. We've always just got an example of the guy, random da dad in Iowa, just sitting in his couch, turns on the TV. There's a track meet on. He doesn't know who these people are. So you kind of need that a little bit. No, you don't. You don't. You lose that viewer. Uh, you never had that viewer in the first place. You could have had, like, if, if he no. was captivated by that moment? No, because, you know, this is the same argument that uh, people uh, handed everybody in uh, when soccer first started to gain popularity in America. It was like, well, you know, you got to do it this way, you got to do it. Soccer started with a very grassroots mo movement. And now, you know, when they, when they went to form Major League Soccer, they were told by all the people who know it, well, it's not going to fly because there's no commercials and all that. But they built their fan base first, and then they pushed forward. And now the fans will sit through and they'll watch that stuff. You cannot tell me that all the people who run in this country would prefer to watch ESPN's coverage of the World Series of Poker <laughs> as opposed to a track meet. Right. You know, put some college track meets on there. They're they're. You know, they're great. Okay? And the third thing we need to do is we need to stop sabotaging ourselves. I'll give you an example. Pen Relays, historic. And if you've never been to Pen Relays, it's just a, a fantastic event. You were at Penn. I believe you ran at Penn. I've never run at Penn, never but uh, uh, I, took, I, I was on the bus. No, I was no. never good enough to. The there you go. There. Well, neither, I never got to race at Penn myself. Um, but so. no, I've been there a couple of times. It's an yeah. incredible meet, especially uh -huh. the Saturday session when you know half of Jamaica comes to yeah. Philadelphia. And and I think that's, you know, fantastic. I know some people get upset about you know the Jamaicans are doing this. I mean, they embrace the sport and they they come and they're so f the people are so friendly and they're so into it. And if you don't like fact that they run really fast well there's only one thing to do and that's to beat them and then and then you have drake relays mm -hmm. again a fantastic event has a tremendous history most of the east coast teams go to penn most of the midwest midwest and some west coast teams go to drake and so you have the coach at arkansas decide that he is going to have quite possibly the dumbest thing i've ever heard of the national relay championships and why because he doesn't want to travel that particular weekend then don't travel yeah you know you pick any other weekend do it the weekend before right you know? because i believe on their schedule the weekend before they have another home meet yeah so do it then leads right in and then half of those teams would split and and uh and go some go to penn some go to drake those are the meets, Penn Relays, Drake Relays, where high school kids mix with college kids, mix with pros. That's how you grow your sport. N nobody is, like, this national relay thing. If you look at the schedule, it sucks. The schedule's terrible. Who's going to watch? Yeah. Okay. It's only the diehards, pretty, pretty no, much. No, the diehards are going to watch either Penn or... The Drake realist. Well, like the real, real diehards. I am the real, <laughs> real diehard. I am a real diehard. I'm, I'm not. I, I actually will use this. I call for a boycott of that. Okay. Okay. I don't think anybody should watch it. Yeah. Okay? This is the yeah. first year, so I mean, I, I'll 
probably give it a... Ch- no, I'm not going to give it like a... If you watch it, it I will beat you senseless. <laughs> and you know... It's my job to watch these things. Okay? It's your job to, you, to be at Pen Relays. <laughs> I'll be at Pen okay, Relays. you be at Pen Relays. I'm not going to let you watch that. Um, all right. So we got a three-point plan. I'm sure we could go on for like 10 more points. I we'll save it for another podcast. Okay. We'll do another one before Pen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask me about a, f- a free throw shot right now or a half-court shot... For twenty five million dollars, I'm gonna hit you twenty five times. So no, I mean it's it's, it's tradition. I got <laughs> all, yeah. all three, all my guests get the last three questions. The okay. first one, probably nothing, right? The meanest thing you've read about yourself on Let's Run dot com. Oh, no, I never. Uh, Xavier's never been mentioned. Well, no, uh, the meanest thing that was ever written about me online was from Rate My Teachers, <laughs> from from. <laughs> to that, um, that I was truly a malicious individual. <laughs> wow! And if uh, and the, the writer wrote, he is truly a malicious individual. If I wasn't a Christian, I would wish harm on him. Wow! And, and that I, really stuck with you. Oh no, I I, I love it. That's like my favorite thing anybody's ever written about me. <laughs> I show the kids in my class. I show that to them before I collect their term papers. So, How often do teachers uh, at Xavier talk about like, oh, have you checked your rate my professor recently? Um, no, um, this when rate, rate my teachers first came out, um, it was a bit of a scandal because kids were posting yeah. inappropriate things about teachers. Right, and so <clears throat> one of the administrators said everybody should just check. So I, and that's when I saw that, and I loved it. I thought it was great that it's not printed out or anything in, on your wall, right? No, 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 <laughs> no. But I just wish that the person who posted it had the courage to put their name. Because I would have shaken their hand. <laughs> so that's, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, I'll accept that one. And then uh, next one, go on a, a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history. Anyone from history. Yeah. Who would it be and where would this run take place? I would run with Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. Because I think you're the second person who's said well, Jesus. Well, yeah. I don't know how you, I mean, and if you, I was, if I can't pick Jesus, um, somebody like Dr. Martin Luther King or, okay. or Gandhi. And where I'd like to go running? Uh, up in New Hampshire. Really? Yeah. Uh, I spend a week uh, in New Hampshire every summer. It's something that uh, my wife and I, my wife's family did for, you know, when she was growing up. And so when we started doing it, and I just love it up there. I mean, uh, near Lake Winnipesaukee, and it's just uh, beautiful. It's hilly, but um, it's just... Uh, uh, New Hampshire is just gorgeous. It's, so I, that's where I would. So it's like one of my favorite places, and you know, Jesus in Jesus. New Hampshire. Okay. And but you know, with my arthritis, I'm not doing too much running. So it would be more like a walk. I'd be <laughs> going for a walk with Jesus. Uh, and then the last one, nothing to do with track. You get 25 shots from half court. Yeah, you, hit you make one. Points. You win $25 million, you make none, you go to jail for 25 years. Do you attempt the shots? No, no, no. I, money, you know me. I'm a Catholic high school teacher. <laughs> money is not that important to me. I always think that, you know, people have a choice in life. You can choose to be rich or you can choose to be happy, okay? Uh, if you choose to be happy, you might end up being rich. But if you choose to be happy, you'll be happy with whatever you get. If you choose to be rich, you're never going to be happy because you always want more. Yeah. Uh, I have, I'm, I'm lucky. I have uh, a great wife. She's, you know, we met in college. And uh, she's Great much, kids. Yeah, she's much faster than me. <laughs> um, and then uh, I have a beautiful, you know, three great kids. I, ha- um, I have uh, a great house, a home because of my wife. And then uh, I have a job that, I, I love going to. I love working with kids. Um, it really, you know, I feel like I'm a very, very lucky man. There are frustrations, New York traffic, all this other stuff, but, you know, I'm happy at home. And when you're happy at home, you can, you know, everything else is good. Also, when we were in high school, we weren't allowed to touch a basketball. No, no, big, that's big the Kevin Demick rule. That's the yeah. Kevin, yeah, Kevin, you know. Well, first off, because... <clears throat> I don't want kids touching basketball because you're most times you're better athletes than the other kids you're playing with. And so when you embarrass them, they'll foul you and then you get hurt and you have more at risk. And then the second thing is you guys actually think that you were good basketball players (laughs) and you're terrible. terrible. Yeah, that's right. 
All right, Mr. Dormer, I really appreciate it. We'll do another one of these before Penn Relays. Okay. Um, so just a couple weeks away. But I'm sure... I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear what the reception is going to be on this. Uh, I think you're going to be a recurring guest. Uh, well, I don't know how I many, love it. I don't know many people want to hear. To quote you, an old man's, <laughs> you know, uh, viewpoints. But, you know, make it simple. You know, we can, we can make this a, the most popular sport as long as we stop shooting ourselves in the foot. Start a grassroots movement. So there it is. The cheaters. Pat Dormer, not running for USATF president yet, but... Uh, I No, you, we haven't even gotten to <laughs> all my problems with USATF. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll catch you guys uh, next week for another episode of the CSMEC Podcast. Many thanks to Mr. Dormer for taking the time to do that interview after a long day at the track at Icon Stadium. Um, we'll have him on the show again at some point uh, before the pen relays. I like catching up with him. I'm sure he'll have some comments on how I run at the London Marathon and whatnot. Um, he'll be a recurring guest on the show. I like having him, and uh, I hope you guys learned a thing or two, I guess maybe about my background um, and his influence in, in my running career. Um, he's got some ideas. Can't call, Don't call him crazy. He'll, he'll read whatever comments that are put out there, but um, he'll be on the show. Uh, again at some point. Um, my other show that I had planned for this week, we're going to hold it for a couple days. We're still working out a couple details regarding uh, the article that I've uh, written and uh, when it can get published, but stay tuned for that. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Chris Chavez. You can tweet at me ideas for who you want to see on the show. Um, any feedback is great. Uh, a lot of people uh, tweeted at me about the Ben True episode. People seem to have enjoyed that one. So um, thanks uh, thanks again for anyone who listened. Um, and, you know, it, it actually helps a lot if you guys take the five seconds. Do it right now. Take your phone. Open up the podcast app on your uh, on your iPhone. Scroll uh, to the search. Uh, hit the search button. Uh, plug in Sidious Mag Podcast. Hit it. Scroll all the way down. There's a section there where you could give us a rating and then write a review if you just write a review let me know who you want to get on the show i'll do my best to deliver if you give me a five-star rating i think that'd be awesome it does wonders for us on the on the itunes charts uh it helps us move up move up little by little and then who knows if one day we'll crack the top 100 that'd be awesome if you guys can help me do that that'd be great um and then, uh, yeah, last but not least, thanks to anyone who's donated to the CDS Mag Patreon. That uh, eight bucks a month goes a long way. It helps us get some really good equipment. That's how we were able to tape this podcast from a car. Um, we'll be recording a lot more podcasts in the next coming in the coming weeks when I'm in Boston. Be bringing this baby with me everywhere, and um, so look for some. Uh, podcast as a result of these donations there the donations also help us you know land some airbnbs uh, we made accommodations for the u.s championships we got a pretty nice house stay tuned on details for you know city's mac group runs we're looking for a couple sponsors to also come on board and maybe uh help uh, help out with that um so yeah we've got plenty of ideas swirling around with the uh the Sidious Mag Patreon account. The singlets are fire. We've got some merchandise. The Sidious Mag Track Club shirts have been out. We've got some new Sidious Mag t-shirts. Um, lots of really cool stuff being cooked up with us. Um, so yeah, continue to donate if possible. If you've considered it, 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 it helps. Uh, so that's patreon.com slash Sidious Mag. And then last but not least, a shout out to the main sponsor morton check them out it's m-a-u-r-t-e-n.com you try that 320 mix try that 160 mix whatever you think will help with your training you can check it all out uh, morton.com slash shop and use promo code cities 20 c-i-t-i-u-s 20 for 20 percent off your order that does it for me uh this week uh i'll catch you guys next week for another episode or two of the City Smack Podcast. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running.